0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Well, the USMNT is never too far away from our minds here on Que Golazo, and today is no different. Jimmy and Heath are not here, but worry not, everybody. My good friend, the amazing... The amazing Grant Wall, CBS Sports Grant Wall. By the way, feels good to say that again. It's here to talk a lot about the USMNT, how the window is looking so far, and looking ahead to November, of course, and much, much more. Keigo Lasso begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Kegel Lasso. Thank you so much for being part of our family. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Lasso Pod. We are also on YouTube.com forward slash Kegel Lasso, as well as CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app, and of course, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher. Right then, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome my friend, one of the best in the business. We did so much together at Sports Illustrated. It's good to have him here as part of the team as well. Grant whoa, Grant, how are you, buddy?
2: I am doing great now that I'm seeing you, my friend. I think this is our 347th show that oh we've my done God, you together. Counted. Most actually, I didn't, but like I, I'm assuming that's the case because it must be something like that. Um, absolutely great to see you and and to be part of the CBS family with you now.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I, I bet you it's around 347, but we'll, 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 I'll get Des Nars, our producer, to, to do that count. I'll, I'll give him another piece of homework. But thank you so much for being here. As you mentioned, Grant is part of the CBS family. He's doing some on-site reporting, uh, obviously, when uh, the USMNT do their qualifiers as part of Paramount Plus, of course. And you're also part of uh, consulting for the documentaries on Paramount Plus. Is that right, Grant?
2: I'm really excited about it. Uh, my CBS work is going to include TV appearances. I started those uh, at the last U.S. World Cup qualifiers, uh, the home games in Austin and Columbus with pre- and post-game reports. i uh, going to be do different, doing different things for that. Uh, and then I'm going to be an editorial consultant on documentary films being done by CBS uh, around soccer. And that's really cool to me because – It's a a sign that CBS wants to do high quality stuff in soccer, not just the games themselves and tell great stories. And they don't have to decide to do that. Not every streamer out there is doing that. Uh, And so we have some really cool projects in the pipeline that I'm really excited
1: about. I can't wait to see them, and I'm so happy that you're part of the family. But right then, let's get to business here, Grant. Wall. let's talk about the USMNT. As everybody knows, Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce do a really great job doing uh, some previews and recaps for us and so much more content, but it's always good to have the brain of Grant Wall right here. So I wanted to start with Desnor as our producer. I want you to set up this for me, uh, the CONCACAF table as it stands. Obviously, we are looking ahead to November, which just passed, but with Mexico leading the way, USA second, Canada in third, Panama, and then so on. Uh, obviously, a disappointing result against Panama was quickly rectified by a really good one against Costa Rica. So my first question to you is, Grant, what do you make of this USMNT so far? Your main takeaways from the first six match days. Main thing is
2: they're on track to qualify for the World
1: Cup in Qatar,
2: and that is always going to be the headline about World Cup qualifying. Are you going to qualify? Are you not? The US is on track. It hasn't been perfect, and and qualifying never is. That was a poor performance for the US in Panama, first loss in the qualifying games, uh, the opening six games for the US, and they came back and, and had a better performance, got the result they needed at home against Costa Rica, and they're on track. And obviously, it's even more important considering the U.S. didn't qualify the last time around for the World Cup. And I understand completely that fans have PTSD to some extent over that still. And so you're going to get some pretty extreme reactions when the U.S. doesn't perform well or doesn't get a good result. Uh, I would say the home tie against Canada, it's, it's not a great result. Obviously, you want to get three points every time you play at home. But so far, at least, the U.S. is doing what it needs to do to qualify and and, uh, performance-wise, I think we'll see this U.S. team play better as they get more reps together. They haven't played together all that much. And I'm still somebody, though, who doesn't want to call these a learning experience. We hear that sometime with the U.S. men's national team and these World Cup qualifiers because it's such a young team. But the World Cup qualifiers, in the end, you do need the results. So uh, they're on track, eight games to go, and a big one against Mexico coming up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Don't ever say learning experience in South America, by the way. You'll get kicked out of that continent in no time. But I wanted to uh, bring something up that you mentioned. Uh, Greg Berhalter, uh, we both know him well. He's a good man, a good person. It's taken him a, a little bit of time to just get things rolling. Of course, that's not a surprise, right? This is a young squad, different players coming in. But I guess that's where I begin, right? Seven changes uh, in the Panama game and then nine Against Los Ticos, uh, what do you expect? Do you con- do you think he will continue making a lot of changes? Is he learning a little bit more of his squad? What do you make of it?
2: Well, the, having to play three games on every FIFA window as opposed to the usual two really does present challenges for every yeah. national team coach. And I understand you're going to have to make changes, especially for that second game. I just feel like Greg Berhalter made too many changes. For that panama game i would have liked to have seen tyler adams who has a great engine he's capable of playing 90 minutes in all three games i would like to see him on the field to start that game i would have actually liked to see brendan aronson and ricardo pepe start because they came off early in the previous game in austin the win against jamaica and when that happened my tweet was smart he's going to be able to start them in panama on sunday that didn't happen. And that was confusing to me. So um, those were the changes. Like, I wish there had been four changes, not seven. But there's, you're going to have to have some changes. The difference with this upcoming window in November is it's only a two game window and it's going to be a Friday, Tuesday. So you should be able to play your A team from the start in both games.
1: Yeah, and you better because the first game uh, back is against Mexico, of course, which is going to be uh, a big one first against second. Listen, we hear a lot about verticality, the vertical game from a Greg Berhalter perspective. Are, are we seeing much of it? Do you think? What do you make of it? Do you think there's still room for improvement? How do you assess that side of Berhalter's tactics?
2: Well, the word verticality basically became a cliche. We heard it so many times in uh, the October camp. But I would say, especially in the the game against Jamaica in the second half, that was a very good half from the U.S. And we saw a little bit of what Greg Berhalter wanted when he talked about verticality and and guys getting behind the back line for Jamaica. And, uh, And I thought the players the U.S. had up front did that very well, whether it was Pepe Aronson, Dest coming up the side, Areola to an extent. Um, and and so that's what Greg Berhalter is talking about. And also he used that term verticality verticality to describe why he chose the players he chose in terms of attackers for that roster and didn't choose a Josh Sargent or a PFOC um, or you know a couple of guys who he thought might come in, who had been in, Conrad De La Fuente. Um, know who had been in the month before so i'm curious to see how greg berhalter is looking at mexico and jamaica we know how he feels about jamaica because the u.s played them last month and how that will impact his roster selections for this camp
1: yeah and obviously you know mexico if anything, you need to be fast on that ball and make sure that you anticipate everything. The verticality part of it will be key in that one. All right, thinking about November, focusing on that one. Obviously, let, let's focus a little bit on some players here. You mentioned Brendan Aronson, who to me is like just, I love him. He, he's a great player, but he's also like, has been obviously the, you know, by default, the replacement for Christian Pulisic in many ways. Pulisic remains injured, uh, obviously rehabbing as we speak with Chelsea to you. Grant, is he, is Polisic a lock when healthy,
2: 100%? When healthy, yes. Um, you know, that's the issue, though, is when is he healthy? And unfortunately, I was hoping this season for Christian Polisic would be one in which we didn't talk about injuries very much. And he picks up an injury in Honduras that has kept him out at club level ever since. And, yeah. and I don't think any of us thought that, whether it was Christian Pulisic or Gio Reyna, that the injuries they picked up on U.S. duty would keep them out this long. But it has, and it really has forced Greg Burhalter to look at other options uh, out wide in the attack. And thankfully for him, Brendan Aronson has been very, very good. Brendan Aronson gets better, it seems like, every game you see him play. He's only been with Salzburg since January, and it's incredible – how much better he has gotten in certain areas of the game, decisive areas. When I talked to him recently, he said, you know, he wanted to do more things that put him on the score sheet, assists, goals. He felt like he didn't do enough of that at Philadelphia. And he's made that improvement. It's, it's crazy. Salzburg has not lost a game in any competition. this are yeah, including in UEFA champions league. Yeah. And Brendan Aronson's a big part of that reason. It's, it's, it's really impressive. And then, for me, it's an interesting thing on the other wing how much Paul Ariola appears to have Greg Burhalter's trust. And he did pick up an injury in the warm-up uh, for the Costa Rica game, and Tim Wea ended up starting on short notice, but Ariola was about to start his third straight game in qualifying there. And I know fans can get frustrated because Ariola's skill level is not the skill level of, of Tim Wea in the attack. But the energy that Ariola brings is something that Burhalter loves and his teammates love, and uh, and that's been a useful thing. So um, we'll see how you know those decisions get made moving forward in this next window. I thought Waya obviously played a, a pretty good game and, and was the author. Did he ever get credit for that? for the game-winner against Costa Rica, or is it still an own goal? I, mean, I think it's still
1: an own goal, but we also forget that it was his switch of play to Yunus Musa that delivered to Serginho Dez to get that winner. So to your point, though, uh, he was a major contributor in that game, and we're going to be talking about this roster as we move on, but I did want to go back to Pulisic because I'm wondering... Before the 2022 World Cup, let's say all things go the way that they should. Do you think that he needs to get out of Chelsea at this point? Because Mason Mount, obviously doing his thing. Lukaku, when he's healthy, he kind of gravitates towards a different formation. What do you make of Pulisic's time with Chelsea? Should he move on?
2: I feel like when Christian Pulisic has been healthy at Chelsea, he's being considered for the games that matter. Not always starting them, but you know, having a role. I, I look back to the Champions League semi-final goal he scored at Real Madrid. You know, Tuchel doesn't think he's a bad player. He actually knows him really well. And Christian Pulisic, based on the injuries he's had, if he was at any club, he wouldn't be playing that much due to the injuries. So I think it's more the injuries than it is anything Chelsea's doing. I just wish for for Christian's sake that he can get some time sustain time without injuries and and show what he can do and build consistency because you know like i think right now he's played two of these of the six u.s world cup qualifiers that's a little bit how it goes for him at chelsea he plays you know he's available for half the season maybe slightly less and and you can't build a career that way if you're out that much
1: yeah. And the hope, obviously, is that Chelsea maintains in different cup competitions and the league in order for that squad to be rotated. By the way, it's still an own goal. It's not a Timothy Ware okay. <laughs> We just double checked. Um, who, who Who's an automatic pick for you? Is there, you know, obviously we're talking about a few players here. Uh, Tyler Adams, you mentioned, you know, he could go forever. Big fan of Brendan Aronson, of course. Is there anybody else to you that's, you know, this person needs to be here no matter what?
2: I mean, Tyler Adams is the guy. I mean, like the most indispensable player for the U.S. men's national team. And I would add that he should always play in the central midfield. Mm. This tendency at times to want to put Tyler Adams at right back or yeah, something other than the central midfield is is a yeah. waste of his talents. And we saw that with Greg Berhalter doing that uh, in Honduras. Once he switched Tyler Adams centrally, is when the floodgates opened. Combining with Honduras, getting really tired in that game in the second half. But you want Tyler Adams in the central midfield. And I do think we've noticed now, we have some sample size to, to see this, that a central midfield of Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney, and Eunice Musa, that's the three that you yeah, want. Yeah, 100%. And Musa plays a lot better when he's got Adams and McKenney next to him. And, and things just seem to flow much better. There's The, the passing uh, connections are, are there. Uh, and then when we saw Musa play in Panama with a different central midfield, he had a, he had a rough game, I think. So uh, that, to me, is, is a big one. And, and to me, Serginho Dest is a guy that needs to be on the field. But the questions are increasing about where should that be? In the past for the U.S., it's always been either a right back or left back. Now we see Dest playing as a winger, much higher up the field for Barcelona. Is that something that Greg Berhalter should potentially consider for the U.S.? I mean, when you, you know, when you play Dest at right back, he typically has Areola on the same side, in part to cover for Dest, because Dest is not much of a defender. But if you have Dest higher up, maybe you don't need Ariola there. Maybe you have yeah. Yedlin at right back.
1: Yeah, it obviously as well depends on the type of opponent that you have. And when Mexico face uh, their own trio of uh, forwards, uh, it can be pretty scary. All right. The other thing, by the way, Grant, is that even uh, a little bit more back there with the starting 11, there's a real contest here between Matt Turner and Zach Steffen. I feel that uh, two very good goalkeepers have done really good things for the national team as of late. Uh, do you have a preference? Is that is that a tough decision for Greg Berhalter, do you think, at this point?
2: I think it's a tough decision in the sense that they're two very good goalkeepers and we all saw the first game after the window Zach Steffen started for Manchester City in the Premier League had a good game um and so I mean at the same time Matt Turner's playing regularly for his club team yeah. Zach Steffen is not and so it does get down to reps for me if Steffen is only playing one out of 5 games for Manchester City or one out of Eight games. That's not good enough. He needs to be playing to be the starter for the U.S. Um, I wish we kind of failed as a as a media group uh, post game after the Costa Rica game. Nobody, none of us asked Greg Berhalter about the decision to to go with Stefan in that game after Turner had played the previous five games, and so we didn't get the reasoning from Berhalter about why he made that decision. So we'll everybody was that. so
1: happy about the fact that you rectified the Panama disaster. They were like, yes! Yeah! <laughs> oh, oh, you could have put a you could have put a kangaroo in go. It didn't matter. They were <laughs> just like, yes, we won.
2: <laughs> so I, I would like to know more about Greg Berhalter's yeah. just sort of his reasoning because I think we might learn something about how he plans to do this moving forward. I personally am not a huge fan of platooning goalkeepers like every other game. Um, I think you want to have some continuity in that position, communication between the goalkeeper and the back line and the rest of the team. Uh, And I think Matt Turner's done a a terrific job in MLS. He's also done a good job for the national team. You know, I I know some people were like, well, you know, they lost the Panama game. He could have done maybe a little more coming out on the goal that Panama scored on the corner. That was a mainly a defending error by the field players.
1: Yeah, it was marking US. a That's short it. corner. Yeah, um,
2: and we all know that that Turner's footwork is not as good as Zach Steffen's, but but you know Turner's shot stopping ability is incredible, and I I personally feel like that makes enough of a difference to have him be the starter. I think there's a reason he started five out of the six games. I hope he continues, but if he doesn't. Zach
1: Steffen's a good goalkeeper. Yeah, and so we will see what happens when they face El Tri. All right, let's uh keep going here. Listen, Bellholter has called up a lot of people, okay? Uh some have really not been needed and then some people are talking about other players that really perhaps should have come in. Is there anybody in this squad that he's called up maybe on a consistent basis that's like thank you for your for for your work here and your efforts, but uh you're no longer needed in November.
2: You know, that's a good question. I don't think they want to write off anybody. And I think depth has actually been pretty important for the U.S. You know, Mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting. I had an interview with Walker Zimmerman on my podcast uh, that came out this week. Um, Here's a guy who wasn't on the initial roster for the U.S. for this last camp and then ends up coming in when Tim Ream ends up not coming in. And then Walker Zimmerman captains the U.S. against Panama. It goes from not being called into being the captain, playing in all three games. So you need to have that depth. And it's actually an advantage when you're playing three games in a window over some of these teams that are getting just exhausted by the third game and they keel over. Um, You know, I don't think anyone's like Josh Sargent's in an interesting situation, right? He's gotten lots of opportunities. He hasn't succeeded in really taking advantage of those opportunities with the U.S. men's national team. And now he's not getting called in. So I'm curious to see if he does get called in for these next games. Cause frankly, he hasn't performed. And Pepe yeah. has stepped in, has scored three goals. And Ricardo Pepe should be your starting center forward right now for the foreseeable future because he, you know, he's getting lots of reps with Dallas. He's in good form. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens with Josh Sargent. Um, you know, maybe I mean, it was neat to see Luca Della Torre get called in and get a little bit of time in this previous camp because he's having a, a good experience at his club team in the Netherlands. Um, you know, I look at, at other players, maybe at Matt Miazga, you know, he's getting a lot of time with Yeah, doing well. Joe
1: Scali then, perhaps. What about Joe Scali?
2: Yeah, no, I mean like Joe Scali is a guy who I fully expect to be in this camp. Uh, you know, I asked for Halter about Scali when he wasn't included in October and he was like, look, I just got off the phone with Scali. Uh, so I fully expect Joe Scali to be called into this team and get his you know, his first taste of being with the senior men's national team. But I do think that he's actually had a terrific season. He's had a lot of challenges going up against Bayern Munich. Um, and, and we'll see how much he actually gets used in the games because I think he
0: could be helpful for the U.S. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Absolutely. Um, All right, we're nearly done here. We wanted to hit a few other things, by the way, because I do want to project uh, 2026 for a second. Um, Obviously, I I believe, Grant, that it's not completely confirmed yet that Canada, the US, Mexico will have an automatic spot in 2026. But that's the presumption, of course. Uh, But let's say that is the case. It's basically the last competitive cycle for a while, this one right now. So, To you, when you think about 2026, how do you expect the US and Mexico and Canada to just continue this drive, right? Is that something that you think about when you think about the future, not just 2022?
2: Well, I really want to learn some things. I'll put on my reporter's hat hopefully in the next month or two and find out what US soccer is thinking about doing in 2024 and 25, because the Mm. US is gonna need to be playing competitive games and how are you going to go about doing this you know what qatar has been doing over the last couple of years has been competing as a guest team in the copa america and the gold cup they've also essentially been playing qualifiers though not really counting for them obviously in asia but also in in uefa they've been getting a lot of games um when other uefa teams have off days in qualifying so maybe the u.s can do something like that i, I would be very curious to see. I, I hope it's not just friendlies against other CONCACAF teams for the most part, because I don't think that's challenging enough. And maybe you can work out something where you're playing games in CONMEBOL um, or, or something like what Qatar is doing, but the U S needs to be getting good games over the, those periods. And it's hard to do that with UEFA teams these days because of all the nation's league stuff. And And we're also, we don't know yet what the international calendar is going to look like in 24 and 25, because it's not set. And that's all connected to what FIFA is trying to push through right now with this World Cup every two years. And we aren't going to find out until maybe December about whether that's going to go through or not. So there's a lot that needs to be determined. And I I would bet that US soccer is sort of waiting to see what happens with the international calendar before they pursue some specific strategy.
1: Yeah, just come over to Carnival. Just make sure that you have every player bring their vaccination cards because Brazilian officials might not let you play. All right, well, uh, let's focus on Mexico for a second. Uh, Greg Berhalter 2, Tata Martino 0. This is uh, a big one for Mexico. Even though they topped the group, they won. They want some revenge. So that's uh, dos a better hold here to Tata Martino. What do you think? Uh, how important is it? The, the, the Cincinnati fixture?
2: Well, I think Tata would, would say, hey, it's not 2-0. I want some games against this guy before I this know, year. But, but,
1: you know, you know, the Americans is a recent memory goldfish stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what I would say is, is that if the U.S. were to beat Mexico in hmm. three straight competitive games, and that would really be a statement. Um, and um, you know, even though I mean these are all you know three games taking place in the United States, I guess you can always have a fun debate about who's the home team um, in right. in the Gold Cup final and in the Nations League final. In Cincinnati, I fully expect it to be a mostly pro US crowd. They'd go through a lot of effort to get out pre-sale stuff and, and have as pro US proud as possible Um, but you know like mexico can make a real statement here in world cup qualifying they won against the u.s four years ago in columbus and sort of erased the stigma that for mexico had been there for so many years and that's why this game isn't taking place in columbus it's in cincinnati Um, and and yet both teams are in a pretty good spot in qualifying where if the u.s Hadn't gotten three points against Costa Rica, there would be even more pressure to win this game against Mexico. Now you have a situation where the sky will not be falling on the U.S.'s World Cup qualification if they don't get three points against Mexico. Um, Mexico's in a position where it's got a cushion now. And so even if they lose this game against the U.S., they're still going to be in good shape and qualifying. So the motivation, I think, also comes just down to the rivalry. Mm-hmm. And we've seen so many great rivalry games. It's basically every time these two teams play um, that uh, I'm, I'm kind of just hoping we'll see how full a strength team the U S is able to put out there. Cause it, frankly, it's not looking good right now for Polisic or Gio Reyna Gio Reyna's back in Austin. We saw a picture of him walking on the field with his dad. So clearly his recovery is not returning him to the field anytime soon for Dortmund. So I am not expecting to see either player with the U.S. in November. And the U.S. is going to have to adjust just like they did in October. But, um, you know, that hamstrings the U.S. a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned, obviously, you know, the this game uh, as we talk Mexico at the U.S. MNT, But listen, got to talk about Canada for a second. This team is a force. I like them a lot. They're third. Ten points, only one behind USA, and you know, outside of uh, Alfonso Davis, of course, uh, and, and other players, what impresses you about Canada? Because they're, you know, they they took points away from the U.S. and Mexico playing away as well. They're they're a good team. What do you make of them?
2: Well, they've had a much harder schedule so far than the U.S. and Mexico in qualifying. So to get results at USA at Mexico, I think Canada's going to qualify, and they yeah, may do it with some too. room to spare. What's different about this Canada team is they have individuals at a talent level far higher than what they've ever had before. Alfonso mm-hmm. Davies is the best player in CONCACAF. The goal he scored in the last game was one of the it's great the goals team. I've ever seen, like period. And so what he's doing is incredible. His versatility is incredible. But they have other players too, obviously. Jonathan David is, is a potentially elite level European club goal scorer. Uh, and Canada really hasn't had that much in the past. And, you know, then you've got some really solid players like Kyle Laren, Atiba Hutchinson. Um, and it's a good team chemistry wise. I think over the years, it's interesting. You know, Canada hasn't qualified for a men's World Cup since 1986. And they've had good individual players over the years. You know, the de Guzmans, uh, I guess, you know, Julian uh, for Canada, you had uh, Dwayne De Rosario is just a tremendous individual player. But aside from that one goal cup that they won, Canada has always sort of been as a whole less than the sum of its parts until this team, which I feel like under John Herdman is more than the sum of its parts, even with the talent they have. Herdman is a really interesting, charismatic coach. You don't see that too often when at the international level, A coach goes from coaching a women's national team straight into coaching a men's national team like he's done with Canada. It's a great story just in and of itself, but you also want to look at it for like, why are they succeeding? And I think he prepares them well to get the results they're looking for. If you remember the lineup that Canada put out against the U.S. and Nashville, you're kind of like, wow, this isn't their total A squad. What are they doing and they played that low block and counter to perfection against the U.S. And that's sort of the blueprint that other teams are now using against the U.S. to try and get results.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hernan has done an amazing job, and it's also about just being flexible with his tactics as well. He like really understands this squad. By the way, uh, first, second, and third qualify for the World Cup. Fourth is that intercontinental playoff spot, currently occupied by Panama. Uh, are you thinking that Panama will stay there? But do you think Costa Rica, Jamaica, El Salvador, even Honduras still with no wins, could they do something? Are you looking at the rest and thinking who could get that fourth? Or maybe it could even shift even more. What do you think?
2: Right now, I feel like Costa Rica is just too old. Yeah. The, this is not the Costa Rica teams. We, I guess the problem is this is the Costa Rica teams we've seen in the past, going back to like the 2014 World Cup when they got to the quarters. There's not enough youth.
1: This is their final so- dance with this team,
0: yeah.
2: I, I think they are going too much with the older guys. And that must be because the younger folks aren't good enough. But still, it's uh, a team very much on the downside. Uh, Jamaica is sort of the wild card for me because if they can get all of their guys, you know, including Michael Antonio, including Leon Bailey, they could make a run for that fourth spot. I think, and there's still plenty of time, you know, they got a nice result in the last game. Um, I think Central American soccer right now is as a whole going through sort of a rough patch. Maybe Panama is the exception. I was impressed with how they played that game against the U S and got the win even without having many star players these days. But, you know, Honduras is struggling. We only saw one Caribbean team advance to this stage uh, with Jamaica. So, you know, what we're seeing is the big North American countries really establishing themselves as the powers, not just the US and Mexico, but also Canada.
1: Yeah. And to your point about Jamaica, by the way, they're six with five points. But, you know, if they create some kind of mini miracle here and they beat, The USA, after hopefully beating El Salvador as well. Things could look very good. It's still tight for that fourth spot. So, plenty to discuss and look out in CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers. And by the way, always a pleasure to have my friend, one of the best out there, the best when it comes to this kind of conversation, Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. You're involved. Don't worry, I got you as well. But, Grant, well, I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much, brother. Really appreciate you being here.
2: Thanks so much for having me. It's great to see you, Luis Miguel.
1: Absolutely, man. I love seeing you. And thank you, everybody, for being part of our QG family. Please don't forget to follow us on Twitter, KegolasoPod, YouTube.com forward slash Kegolaso, as well as Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher. The USMNT qualifiers return in November. Plenty to discuss. Grand Wall will be part of it as well. Thank you so much, and have a great, great rest of your week.
0: From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the Siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band YouTube. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.